Thanks, Lucy. And thank you, Paris, for your amazing story. Um, God moments are uh, with us all the time, and not just when we find Jesus, but constantly. Um, if I haven't met you already, my name's Christy. Welcome to Undone, and um, we're really glad to have you here. Uh, but this week, when I was preparing for this message. I don't know if you know how it works because it works differently with every person. There's no formula for how you prepare for a sermon. But there are God moments and I had one on Monday morning um, when I was planning on what I was going to say this morning and this afternoon and I was like, Lord, what do you want me to say? And I had this sort of uh, how I want to say this, I want to say this, I want to say this. And I use um, a prayer app every morning and it does like a 10 minute like guided audio prayer and I missed the day before so I did the day before's first I did Sunday's first and um, it's talked about the kingdom of God and how the rules are different and I was like oh that's awesome I'm going to use that in my sermon and then I did the Monday one straight away and it gave me that reading that Lucy just said I'm like oh and that's my reading. That's what I'm going to do. So in a matter of about 20 minutes, God just gave me this sermon. And uh, God continues to work and continues to give you God moments. So don't expect them to go away because they won't. They won't. Awesome. We are in a series called Generous God. And over the last two weeks, Ben and Steve have started this journey for us as we look at generosity in the month of June. Because what happens in June, everyone? You don't have to do tax, but we have to do tax. There's tax to do, isn't there? And the ATO sends you, you know, MyGov. You have to wait now until you get the MyGov thumbs up before you can do your tax. Okay, so we're all waiting for our MyGov thumbs up. I'll just, do they just send you the emoji? Like, go. Anyway, so Door of Hope, what we want to do is we want to talk about God's character and generosity as a foundation as we move into this season, because it's a good thing to get his perspective on what we do with our finances, our resources, and just who we are, really. So Ben started off by saying that generosity is in God's nature. Generosity is who he is. And Steve brought this awesome word that... Thank you. Awesome. God's generosity is absurd. It is crazy. Absolutely right. And that word is interesting, isn't it? I thought of it this morning. I'm going to talk about April twice today. My daughter is four and she came in and she said, Mum, you changed the sheets on my bed. And I went, yeah. She went, that's crazy. I'm like, okay. <laughs> I don't really think it was, but God's generosity is. Absurd. Others will ride on the back of our generosity. Things that we are generous with today, others will benefit from and they will impact others. Who knows who was generous with Luke, the Uber driver? And he passed that on and was able to carry that on into the future. Okay. Today, generosity in hard times. Okay. The test of generosity. But I want to start with a challenge first. Okay. This is the challenge. Generosity is not possible for me because. Maybe that's what your heart is responding to. If that slide can go up on the screen. 
Generosity is not possible for me because. Some of you are saying that right now. The reason I know this is because I said this in a church service, actually probably a few church services. Generosity was not possible for me because I was a uni student and I worked at KFC and I did a cleaning job and I worked rolling chocolate balls every Sunday morning and I had a car and flatmates and rent and I didn't have space to be generous. I didn't have the possibility to be generous. That's what I told myself. So when people spoke about generosity, I just well, said, well, I'm not able to be generous. I want to ask you this morning, to, this afternoon, to set aside that thought for the rest of the time I'm speaking. Would you just not say it just yet? Because Scripture is our roadmap, isn't it? Scripture is the principles and promises of God that show us how we can operate in his story, which we're all invited into. And if we start by saying generosity is not possible for me, we don't allow ourselves to be in that story and we don't allow ourselves to be impacted and for those promises to sink in. So if you did say that when I talked about generosity, unsay it, okay? We'll walk backwards. Unsay it. That's my challenge um, this afternoon. So let's just keep going and we'll see where it gets us. So the first um, thing I want to let you know is that hard times don't discriminate. We all have hard times, okay? And we're talking about finances really in this month, but you don't have to have no money to have hard times. You can have a lot of money and have hard times, yeah? All of you with lots of money? No. They're all saying no. Okay. Scripture is full of examples, especially that Jesus taught about, about people having money and still being in hard times. So the prodigal son, he had a lot of money, didn't he? Because he asked his father for his inheritance and his father said, here it all is. What did he do? He went off and had a great time, ended up eating with pigs because he lost it all and ended up in a worse place than he started, had to go home and face his dad. Money doesn't bring a relief from hard times. Zacchaeus, the tax collector, he had a lot of money, probably because he cheated a lot of people and asked for more taxes than he should have. But when he met Jesus, there were hard times inside. He wasn't in a good place, and Jesus met him. So sometimes hard times can be because there is a lot of money. The rich young ruler is the parable that Jesus talked about, this businessman who had a great year, built all these barns, we call that overcapitalizing. had a bad year, it all disappeared. So just because there's a lot of money doesn't mean that there's good times. Of course, you can have hard times when you're poor as well and when you have nothing, but hard times don't discriminate, okay? We all go through them. So we're all in the same boat, I guess is what I'm saying as we start. There's a prophet in the Old Testament whose name is Habakkuk. Who read Habakkuk this week? Just me. Okay. Habakkuk's a really short book. It's a great prophet if you want to start reading prophets in the Old Testament. And basically Habakkuk's a little bit different because it's not like a story of what he did as a prophet of God. It's a conversation that he has with God. Basically Habakkuk is saying things are really, really bad, God, and you don't seem to notice. 
Okay, that's what he's saying to God. His nation of Israel was in an awful situation. They were um, in the midst of injustice and idolatry and they were surrounded by enemies. The Babylonian Empire were about to invade, which God said would happen. And Habakkuk's saying, this is not okay. We are not in a good place and you don't seem to care. And at the end of Habakkuk, he basically gives God an example of how bad things are. And this morning I thought about how do I read this? I don't just want to read it because these are serious issues that Habakkuk is complaining about. And my first inclination was to read it like April does, who's four, when she's angry at me and she's annoyed. And she does this. And she screws up her nose and looks at me and goes, like that. And I thought, no, actually, because she's not... She's angry because her unicorn headband broke or I won't give another Oreo or something like that. But this is like serious business. People are dying from starvation. So I'm going to read you these verses from Habakkuk. They'll be on the screen. And I'm going to try and do it in a voice that portrays the seriousness of these issues. Are you ready? I should Any drama students? No one's putting their hand up. (laughs) I'll do it then. I'll do it. Okay. Though cherry trees don't blossom and the strawberries don't ripen, though the apples are worm-eaten and all the wheat fields are stunted, though the sheep pens are sheepless and the cattle barns are empty, he's saying we have no food, The enemies are about to attack and everything's bad. That's the conversation Habakkuk had with God. We're going to come back to that at the end and see where it went. But let's go to the passage that Lucy read for us from 2 Corinthians. If you have your device and you want to look on new version, read along because we're going to keep coming back to this passage in Corinthians. So grab that out and we're going to um, look at how Generosity is possible in hard times. So Paul was uh, visiting these churches in Macedonia. Who knows that Macedonia has just changed its name, by the way, still there. Northern Macedonia. If you watched Eurovision, you would have known that already. Okay, it was called the former Republic of Macedonia, but now it's just called Northern Macedonia. I thought that was pretty cool. He was visiting the churches in Macedonia and he was sending a report back to the Corinthians. So 2 Corinthians is the fourth letter he wrote to them. Okay, we only get two, but there was four. And he was encouraging them about how to be generous. So he's giving the example of this Macedonian church. And that's where we start reading. So what do we know about the Macedonian church? Okay, we know that they were in fierce troubles, They were pushed to the very limit and they were desperately poor. They were like the Habakkuk of the New Testament. What did he also say about them? Next slide. He said they were incredibly happy. They were pleading for the privilege of giving. Please let us give more. And they gave far more than they could afford. What do we do now in 2019? We spend far more than we can afford. But they were giving. So put those two things together. Fierce troubles, incredibly happy. Pushed to the very limit. Pleading to give. Desperately poor, giving more than they could afford. That does not make sense, am I right? 
It doesn't sound like the same group of people, but it is. So my key idea tonight is generosity is possible in hard times. And we're going to see why as we work through this section of Corinthians. The first reason is because God is working. Okay, in the passage Lucy read, she said, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working. He's working first. We learned from Ben, didn't we, that God is generous. He's always generous, no matter what the hard times. So he can't help be generous. So if he's in your world, there will be generosity. So we know that we can be generous because God is generous first. His generosity is absurd. It's crazy. And he did it first. So that's the first way we can know. The second way we can know that generosity is possible in hard times is because we operate in two kingdoms, okay? We have this world in which we live, and it operates one way. But then when we accept Jesus as our Saviour and Lord, and he comes and lives in our hearts, he sets up a new kingdom. He becomes our king. So we live in two kingdoms with two sets of rules, Paul says the pressure triggered something totally unexpected. And that's how the kingdom works. It seems to flip things upside down. It doesn't make sense that these people were ridiculously poor and incredibly happy. But it's a kingdom thing. So I want to read to you um, what Jesus said about his kingdom. In Matthew 5, he says, You have heard it said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That's the old rule, right? But I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If anyone slaps you on the right cheek, what do you do? Give them the other cheek. And if anyone wants to take your shirt, hand over your coat as well. If anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them two. Give to the one who asks you and do not turn away from the one who wants to borrow from you. It's a kingdom thing. Have you ever heard this little phrase, never a lender or borrower be? Do you know where that comes from? Proverb. Shakespeare. Shakespeare said that in Hamlet. Never a lender or borrower be. That's how a lot of people... I'm going to tell you a secret. Don't tell Denny. I told you, my husband. When I first met Denny, he never lent anything ever. 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 Because the idea is if you lend something, what will happen to it? Someone will break it or they won't give it back. True? That's why we don't lend things. People would ask him for things and he'd say, oh, no. And I'm like, no, that's not okay. He's a great lender now. Our world says don't lend things, someone will break it. Don't borrow because you'll be indebted to them. Okay, but the kingdom says no. If someone wants to borrow something from you, give it willingly because there's generosity. The kingdom works in a different way. We follow different rules in the kingdom. And in hard times, it doesn't make sense to be generous. But in the kingdom, it does. And the Macedonian church in 2 Corinthians shows us that. In hard times, the kingdom rule is to be generous. Awesome. So, first thing, God is working. Second thing, we live in two kingdoms and the rules are different. Third one, God designed us to be generous. 
So Ben taught us so beautifully that when God created us, he created us in his image and with generosity. People that don't know Jesus are generous. People all over the world, generosity is something natural in people, isn't it? When we have a lot, we're generous. Some people, if they don't, but even more so, we should be generous if we have Jesus living in us because he is by very nature generous. Yes? Awesome. We should have generosity. It's who we are. It's how we're made. He designed us with an amazing mind capable of making choices and priorities, planning, budgeting, looking at our income and going, okay, I can do this. He made us with a mind to do that, and we can, so we should. So we know that we can be generous, but how do we do it in hard times? How do we do it when times get tough? We're not in a good headspace. Our income is low. Actually, we have no income. How can we be generous? We're going to go back to the Macedonian church and see what Paul said about them. So Paul says they had given, first given themselves to God. They were Jesus-centered. Have you heard that before? I hope so. Have you heard that before? Steve, they haven't heard it. They were Jesus-centered. Okay, they had given themselves to God. They had made a choice that they were going to follow God and follow the kingdom rules. Okay? The second thing is that they were generous to God. They'd given themselves to God and to us, Paul said, and to the missionaries. They, would give, they were generous to others. So they were Jesus-centered and others-focused. Awesome. Two, they responded in obedience. So when we give ourselves to God, he asks some things of us, doesn't he? And he said, I want you to be generous to other people as well. And they were. And the third thing, the purposes of God were at work in their life. Wow. The purposes of God were at work in their life. Doesn't that sound amazing? It's the result of the gospel of Jesus. Now, when... We hear the gospel, maybe that's not a phrase you've heard before. It means the good news. The good news of Jesus, we say, is the gospel of Jesus, okay? The good news. This next slide says, the gospel is not only Christ's death on a cross, but how he lived with a kingdom perspective. So the gospel isn't just Jesus died and rose again and here we are. No, it keeps going, just as Paris's story has kept going. She's not just saved and that's it, but she lives in the victory of Jesus' death and resurrection, the victory that impacts us every single day and changes us every single day, the victory that gives us blessing, the victory that allows us to be incredibly happy in suffering the victory that allows us to go through hard times and mature and grow to be better for our characters to develop. That's what God's victory. So the gospel keeps going. The gospel is in me all the time. And that's what people see. When we share the gospel, one of the, one of the things they see is us and the growth that we have and the maturity that we're showing. Paul finishes this segment of the letter to the Corinthians by saying, just as you were trusting and just as you were insightful using your mind and passionate and loving, do these things as well. Be generous as well. He was saying, I see the fruit of God working in you. 
you're trusting and you're passionate and you're vibrant and you're ready to go and you're moshing up here and you're inviting people to undone and you're sharing with them and you're asking them to come to your connect group, be generous as well. Don't forget this bit. He's seeing the fruit of the Holy Spirit working in them. And he said, don't forget generosity. Just like the Macedonians have been generous, you be generous too, because it's good. It's good. And generosity is part of our story at Door of Hope. Okay? Remember Steve said, we ride on the back of donkeys, but also of generosity. And we are the recipients of generations of generous people in this church, over 135 years. I started my time at Door of Hope in Frederick Street, which is up um, in the city a bit, and people had already been generous and turned a cement-making factory into a church building. And that's where Danny and I really got uh, involved in Door of Hope in young adults and had amazing discipleship and really had an amazing time as young Christians there. And then we moved here. There was another display of generosity where we turned an old wool factory into this. Do you you think about which factory is next? (laughs) No? No? Okay. This factory has become somewhere that is inviting, that is sharing the gospel, that's doing amazing thing where the purposes of God are seen. Yeah? And the generosity that happened 10, 12, 15 years ago is being evidenced here. And then there was the Church We See project where people gave to increase the scope of where we could have our kids' ministry and Launceston Conference Centre. And now we're saying, let's do it again. Let's do this generous thing just as we are passionate and just as we are trusting and just as we are insightful and wise, let's also be generous in what's next for the purposes of God, a childcare centre that's going to increase the amount of parents that come and connect with Door of Hope and go to Alpha and speak to people that are going to sow words of life into their lives. It's exciting, isn't it? It's exciting to be part of that. And uh, we can still pledge and give to that, uh, by the way. So how do we do this? What are the steps actually. So we know we should be generous because God is generous. We know that it's possible to be generous in hard times, but how do we actually do it? The first step is to be thankful and give praise. Being thankful is like the antidote to being down. It's how we fix our eyes on God and remind ourselves that he is good. Okay, I'm going to give you three steps, but I don't want you to just forget them. So we're going to practice the first one right now, okay? I'm going to give you 30 seconds to think of one way that you can be thankful to God. And I want to share it with someone next to you. If you're sitting by yourself, find someone, just share. It can be a word, can be a sentence, something that you're thankful for. Let's do that now and practice step one, Okay. Good job, everyone. Good job. David says in the Psalms, bless the Lord, O my soul. He tells his brain, which God has made us, tells his soul to bless him because he doesn't want to forget. Bless the Lord, O my soul. So that's step one. Be thankful. Give praise. The second one is to think rightly about God. Okay? 
This is the good news. This is the gospel. The gospel is living in a way that thinks rightly about God and who he is. We live in his kingdom. We live by his kingdom rules, okay? How do we think rightly about God? We read about him in scripture. We read the Bible. That's how we think rightly about God because those principles and promises and stories and teachings and songs and laments seep into our soul and teach us how to think rightly about him. And that's where our character builds and our maturity builds and our knowledge builds and our ability to actually use the rules that God has for us in his kingdom. That's where it happens. At Door of Hope, we call that spending 20 minutes in the chair, okay? And it's whatever way you find that you can have scripture meaningful to you. It might be listening to it as the audio Bible, okay, or using a reading app or reading like a book with pages in it, okay? Whatever way works for you, do that. Think rightly about God and it will make a difference, I promise you, about your generosity because we start seeing things through his perspective. Actually, thinking rightly about God, if you are using the um, version event for today, for this service, at the end, there are six verses that you can use to pray about your finances, okay? So you can use those, but I also printed some out for you. For people like, like the paper, okay? So if you're in financial hardship, which no adult said ever, um, six ways that you can pray through some of these verses. So you can start thinking rightly about the way God thinks about finances, Okay, because our ways we think about them are often our world ways. We need more. We need more. We need more. But Jesus doesn't always operate like that. He says, give more, give more, give more. So come and grab one of those later or have a look at the end of the version event and you'll find them there. The last point. So after give praise, think rightly about God. The third one is try a new method of generosity. If your other ones haven't been working, try a new one, okay? So Ben came and talked to us about tithing and about planned giving. If that's something you've never tried before and you're in financial difficulty and you never have any money and you should have some money, give it a go. When Danny and I got married way back a long time ago, you know, you get married and then you have a honeymoon and then you keep going and I was at uni and Danny was at uni and I worked at KFC and he worked at McDonald's and we didn't have much money and we actually didn't start tithing, not because we made a decision not to, we just sort of didn't. And finances got harder and harder and harder and we wondered why and then God tapped us on the shoulder and he said, you should be tithing and we did from our KFC wage and our Oz study. And you know, it was amazing. He proves over and over and over again that when we give to him first, he responds with amazing generosity. So if you haven't tried that before, try it. Maybe you need to become aware of your finances. For those of you that haven't looked in a while and really looked 
and really know what comes in and what goes out. Try budgeting. Maybe it's just that you have money there, but you just keep spending it and not really checking on what you have. That's another way. Maybe you need to explore through Alpha what kingdom rules and living with a new king looks like. That's a pretty good option. Credit cards and debt. We spend a lot and we always want new things. Maybe God is challenging you to not do that anymore, to cut up your credit cards. The band, if the band want to come up now as we go back to Habakkuk, they can. That would be great. Be thankful, give praise, think rightly about God, try a new method of generosity. So I sort of tricked you a little bit about the Habakkuk thing. Because Habakkuk, when he wrote those words that we read earlier on the screen, his voice wasn't like, I shared. He wasn't downcast and lowly. Actually, he was excited because this is the end of the story where he realised what God's perspective was. And he heard God actually this time. So I'm going to read it this time with the actual end to the passage and let you know how Habakkuk responded to God. Are you ready? Though the cherry trees don't blossom and the strawberries don't ripen and the apples are worm-eaten and the wheat fields stunted, though the sheep pens are sheepless and the cattle barns empty, I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my Saviour God counting on God's rule to prevail. God's kingdom rules will do it in the end. I take heart and I gain strength. I run like a deer. I feel like I'm queen of the mountain. That's what he said. The circumstances hadn't changed. Babylon was still about to invade. They still had no food. There was injustice and idolatry everywhere, but he knew his God was generous. So he could say this, He could say this, it's amazing. The perspective on hard times, may we count on kingdom rules, explore what that means. Spend 20 minutes in the chair, find out. Make sure Jesus is at the centre of your thinking and generosity will flow from that. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, Thank you for your son. Thank you that you were generous first, but that you didn't stop there and you keep your generosity flowing. Lord, may it overflow to us so that it can overflow to others. Lord, may we think about your generosity and be excited and passionate to share what we have. And it may be really, really small. Doesn't matter. It doesn't matter because your heart is that we're generous with what you give us and what we have, not with what others have or how they give or what they need. It's what we have and our spirit of generosity towards you. So God, would you increase that? Would you grow us and mature us to be more like you, to be Jesus-centred, to be others-focused, to do it together, to be invitational, and to share the gospel of who you are with our friends and family. And we ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen.